Welcome to the Market Matters podcast from Emirates MBD. I'm Katija Huck, and I'm joined today by my colleague and fellow economist, Daniel Richards. Hi, Daniel. Hi, good afternoon. It's been a busy week on the data front, both in our region and internationally. Let's start with the PMI survey data for the GCC in Egypt, which was released over the weekend and which really highlights the difference in business conditions between oil exporters and oil importers in the MENA region. Now, for the UAE, Saudi and Qatar, the PMIs remain firmly in expansion territory with strong growth in business activity and new work in May. In Qatar, at least, this has also led to a faster pace of private sector hiring as the country prepares for the FIFA World Cup later this year. But in the UAE and Saudi Arabia, we've seen um, a slower rate of growth in employment uh, relative to business activity. And this is contributing to an increase in the backlogs of work. So hopefully at some point, the pace of hiring will step up and we'll we'll see a bit more um, private sector job creation in, in the UAE and Saudi as well. The story in Egypt is quite different though, isn't it, Danny? What have we been seeing in the survey data there? Yeah, so it's a pretty sharp contrast between what we're seeing from the headline uh, PMI readings, certainly for Egypt compared to those of the GCC. And that's really, I guess, highlighting the differences with some of those hydrocarbon exporters are really seeing uh, an easier time of it of late. So the headline PMI figure for Egypt in May, it did tick up modestly, but only from 46.9 in April up to 47.0. So still pretty clearly still some way below that neutral 50 line and indicative of a contract in that private sector. Um, worth noting here, perhaps the private sector isn't necessarily the key determinant of GDP growth in Egypt, but still clearly not a positive for growth this year. And private sector output is actually declining at the second fastest rate in two years in May, according to our PMI survey. And equally, as you look ahead to the coming months, it's still looking pretty difficult as new orders actually contracted more rapidly in April. And one of the reasons behind that is inflation hitting demand. And given what we're seeing in terms of regional, global, domestic dynamics of inflation, that drag is only likely to remain in play. And we've seen in the subcomponents of PMI, price pressures continue to mount with input prices accelerating at the fastest pace since November. That really seems to be the common theme across the MENA PMI surveys in, in recent months, um, and that's been the rising input costs. So to some extent, um, this reflects the increase in global commodity prices, so raw material costs have gone up for businesses, as well as the cost of um, shipping those commodities and um, components from wherever they're manufactured to the region. Now, in Egypt, Saudi Arabia and Qatar, at least, firms appear to be passing on at least some of these higher costs to buyers. But the survey data for the UAE actually shows average selling costs declining almost every month since last summer. And really, this has been a trend we've seen for several years in the UAE. That's not what most people are experiencing, though, is it, right? We've seen official inflation in Dubai has picked up this year. And equally, anecdotally and personally, I think price growth has been fairly apparent. So clearly, higher costs are being passed on to consumers here. Yeah, I have to say, I found that a little bit difficult to reconcile when I first saw the survey data for the UAE's PMI. I did think that we were going to start to see some increase in selling prices. But on reflection, I think we need to bear in mind that the 
two data sets are measuring different things. Um, they're, they're surveying uh, different people and neither data set actually captures the reality um, of, you know, of, of what's going on perfectly. So if we look at the PMI survey first, I mean, this is at the end of the day, a survey of private sector businesses and it's structured to capture the structure of, of the economy. So there is a large weighting for wholesale and retail trade, financial services, manufacturing and construction, for example. Now, if these firms are reporting lower selling prices, then this should mean that there, there's very little um, tradable or goods inflation for consumers. And when we look at the CPI survey, that is, in fact, what we're seeing. So when we look at things like clothing and footwear prices, household furnishing and equipment or appliances, there is a little bit of inflation, but it's not nearly what's driving the headline 4.6% uh, CPI that we've seen for, for Dubai. In fact, what we've really seen um, in terms of inflation drivers in recent months has been higher transport costs. So that's things like petrol, airfares, public transport, taxis, and new and used vehicle prices. Now, the firms that sell these items won't necessarily have a big weight in the PMI, but from a consumer point of view, these are the costs that are up by almost 30% compared to last year. And we've also, I think, seen housing costs have also gone up a lot over the last year, right? And this must also be reflected in the CPI inflation. So housing is actually the biggest component in the consumer basket in the UAE. It accounts for about 41% of the CPI. But according to the official data, housing costs in April 2022 were still slightly lower than they were in April 2021. And that's actually helped to offset some of the inflation from transport and food prices. Now, again, anyone who has renewed a tenancy agreement in the last few months will probably say that their housing costs have gone up which of course, for the most part, they have, but it takes time for what's happening in the market today to feed through to the official CPI data. That's really because not everyone who is surveyed for the consumer price index has renewed their leases at the same time. So of course, we only renew them once a year, right? So not everyone's gonna be experiencing that increase in rents at the same time. And of those who have signed new agreements, their annual percentage increase may not be the same as everyone else's. So there'll be different degrees to which housing costs have increased depending on where you live and what housing stock you're actually um, occupying. It could be a studio apartment, it could be a five-bedroom villa, and both of those will be seeing very different um, percentage increases on an annual basis. Now, the official data is showing housing costs have increased every month since January, but on a year-on-year -year basis, it is still a drag on headline inflation. I do expect this will change in the coming months, though, and I think housing will start to push the headline uh, inflation rate higher, um, as we would have expected in any case. So that's over the next several months. Inflation UAE will probably continue to rise for the next few months, but what are you expecting over the next year or two? So... Provided there are no further big shocks to supply chains or energy prices or commodity prices, we would expect to see inflation start to slow by the fourth quarter of this year and into 2023. Um, and that would be um, really as a result of base effects. So you, you're calculating your year-on-year -year change of a much higher number 
um, in, you know, in 2023. I expect inflation in the UAE to average between 4 and 4.5% this year, which is quite a lot higher than we've seen over the past few years, but still not as high as the 8 to 10% inflation that we're seeing in developed economies like the US, the UK, and of course, the Eurozone. Um, in fact, we're expecting May inflation data for the US this week. What are markets looking for, Danny? Has inflation in the US peaked yet? Yeah, so that's definitely a big data point we're looking out for this week, the US CPI data. Uh, consensus forecast is for headline CPI on an annual basis to be 8.3% year on year. So that's unchanged from April and down from a recent peak of 8.5%, but clearly are still very high levels, kind of multi-decade highs. And then, as Katija was saying, compare it to what we're seeing locally, and it's around double that. So the expectation is generally that inflation has peaked, essentially, and that did seem to review with some of the FOMC members at the last meeting, according to the minutes. But even with that year-on-year figure, it would still mean a big 0.7% month-on-month increase. And that's really due to the higher energy prices, which are also seen there. Core inflation is expected to slow a little to 5.9%, but even that is still well above the Fed's 2% target, which means essentially the Fed will likely remain hawkish on rates for over the next several meetings at least. So inflation is still elevated, but the real economy seems to be in fairly good shape in the US, at least judging by the jobs data that we saw last Friday. Is the Fed going to be able to achieve the soft landing that it's looking for? Yeah, so I think that's a question at the forefront of everyone's minds at the minute. And we're certainly seeing more chatter around the risk of a recession. But on balance, the jobs market still looks pretty strong, really, on the back of that data we had for May that was released uh, just now on Friday, even if it is slowing down a bit, suggesting the Fed might just manage to secure its soft landing yet. So if we look at the headline figure, the net gain in non-fine payrolls in the US last month was 390,000. So it's considerably stronger than the consensus prediction, which was for 318,000. But then at the same time, it was the slowest pace of jobs gain since April 2021, and was a fair bit slower than the upwardly revised 436,000 net gain in the previous month. And then if you dig down into some of the data, perhaps there is evidence of a, of a tougher job situation in some sectors than others. For instance, the, the number of new lower paid services jobs, for instance, was down by a quarter compared to April. And that was itself a 50% decline on the, pre, on, on the March data. And I think as jobs in the retail sector in particular have appeared under pressure, and that's really in keeping with some of the earnings results we've seen over recent weeks of both Walmart and Target's two major employers there seeing wide target misses in their results as inflation ramped up. And that's in part because they've been absorbing those higher costs of inflation themselves. So I think generally it was in keeping with a more general deterioration in the outlook over the past several weeks with those earnings misses. And we've also had high profile CEOs such as Jamie Dimon and Elon Musk becoming increasingly vocal about the rising economic risks and talking about reducing workforces as a result. At the same time, though, while the pace of job growth has moderated as those pandemic gains have eased off, there does appear to be some rebalancing going on in the makeup of the labor market. It still looks robust enough to be able to withstand further tightening by the Federal Reserve. On the headline figure, we saw unemployment remain stable at 3.6% in May. And while it didn't tick down to 3.5% as had been anticipated, that was down to a pretty sizable increase in participation rate. So really another indication of continued strength there. 
And at the same time, we've also got job openings remaining at very high levels, so something like two openings for every unemployed person. So really that increases the likelihood that the Fed could manage to bring inflation down without seeing that rise in unemployment that would usually be associated with those kind of measures. Right. So the concern, I guess, among the CEOs that we've been hearing from and also the markets is that by tightening interest rates so aggressively, the Fed could uh, trigger um, an increase in the unemployment rate. But you could argue that that's actually exactly what the Fed wants to see to some extent. They want to see the labor labor market cool down a bit because 400,000 jobs per month um, in terms of NFP is unsustainable when the economy is already so close to full employment. And if that does continue over the next several months, it will ultimately just result in faster wage growth, which is the opposite of what the Federal Reserve wants to achieve. So they are looking likely to front load rate hikes to slow growth and cool the labour market. But the risk is that because it takes nine to 12 months for an increase in interest rates to actually feed through to the real economy, they may end up doing too much too soon and ultimately end up pushing the US economy into recession at some point next year. I guess it's these risks that the market is trying to price, and that's really what's contributed to the increase in volatility that we've seen in financial markets in recent months, which I suspect will be a feature for some time yet. Is there um, anything else you'd like to add on that, Danny? Yeah, I guess just to say that obviously those risks are mounting and they are forefront of people's minds, but certainly that labour market data and everything else we've seen as well isn't really anything that would deter the Fed from their near-term trajectory. So with regards to the near-term, the next couple of meetings, we'd expect at least two more 50 basis points uh, hikes in June and July, and then possibly another 50 basis points even in September, given how the data appears at present. Yeah, it really does look like inflation is the main focus at this stage, and perhaps rightly so, um, even if it means uh, a soft uh, contraction in the economy next year. So I think we'll leave it there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Market Matters by Emirates MBT. If you'd like to know more about the issues that we've been discussing, please visit our website, www.emiratesmbdresearch.com. Thank you and see you next time.